Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hello, everyone. This is Jennifer Watley Maxell, and I am here with my colleagues. Ryan Bonfilio, Mark Ramsey, Adam Borneman, and Adam Mixon. And we are having a discussion about a topic that I think is just so germane to where we are right now at this point in time, and that is resilience. With everything that is going on and everything that is happening in the world, more than ever, people are working hard to find their footing and to find a place of hope and to find a place of peace. And as the church and as people of God, this is the moment that we are created for, to be able to step into our communities and to be able to rise with the love of Christ. And so one of the things that I think about is the need for vulnerability. Resilience is not something that just happens because we will it and we want it. It takes a vulnerability and a humility to be able to enter into the space mentally, emotionally, physically, where we realize that we need to bounce back, that we have hit the bottom, that we have reached a point where we need spirit, where we need community, we need others to help us to get to the other side. And I think that that's where the world is looking for us as people of faith to step into that role. That's interesting, Jennifer. In my secular work, I do disaster recovery and organizational resilience. So one of the fascinating things about it is that in that work, we are always sensitive to anything in our environment that is a single point of failure. And then trying to make those points whether it's on a network or something else, redundant. I wonder, as clergy, how that makes us feel. You said that resiliency demands some type of vulnerability. How does that make us feel, to know that part of our job is actually to put ourselves out of a job or to be redundant so that the community can continue to exist? Are we willing to release that much of the deference that we're used to in order to keep a community healthy. You know, it's amazing to see how different communities and different traditions have navigated that challenge over the past couple of years. It's become really clear, certainly to our team and to others, that there are some significant differences in how people have more or less been trained to be a resilient people. I'm reminded of a piece that, Adam, you and I wrote a few months ago. We were kind of recounting 2020. It was at the end of the year. It's on our blog. But we, we talked about this phrase of margin-shaped resilience. It had become really clear to us that those pain points or inflection points or points of failure that need redundance. Well, it's almost like some communities have not had to face as many of those. And so when real disruption hit, we didn't have redundancy. But there's so many communities, faith traditions in our country that that's all they've ever known. And so the resilience is sort of built in. That institutional capacity is built in from the beginning. That intuition is built in. So many of our multivocational pastors over the last couple of years have thrived, frankly. I, I, you know, I don't want to broad brushstroke it, but there has been sort of a, well, yeah, this is what ministry has always been, so let's keep going. 
And I've been struck by the contrast between different traditions in our country, those of privilege and those without, and how resilience is a function of that. You know, Adam, one of the things I'm thinking about with resilience is that we often think of it as this thing that we need to draw on in the moment of a crisis. It's the grit your teeth and bear it and push through. But that's not what resilience is. Resilience is a practice. It's something that we cultivate over time and through the rituals and routines of our spirituality and our leadership and our formation of character. I used to run marathons, and they talk about hitting the wall, that moment, usually mile 22, mile 23, where it's just impossibly hard. And resilience in that moment isn't just trying harder at mile 22. Resiliency in that moment is what happened a month earlier, three months earlier, five months earlier on your long training runs. And what strikes me is that we're not doing that training ahead of time. So when we hit the wall, we have nothing to rely on other than our grit and determination. And grit and determination, they're not going to do it for us. That's not resilience. Absolutely. There is no such thing as remedial grief preparation. There's no such thing as remedial preparation for hard times. There's no remedial preparation for anything that we're going to face. It has to be a lifelong journey of spiritual formation, faith formation, that we've got the resources then when we most need them. And often we're preparing when we don't know when that day will come or what it will draw on us. So it has to be a focus. And I really reject our culture's Hollywood-esque view of resilience, which is the individual going it alone, conquering everything against all odds. That's crap. It is the community which helps me understand what resilience is, and it's the community of faith that helps model for me. When I've hit hard times in my life, I can draw up dozens of people who have faced really difficult times and who persevered with a grace and a faith and a tenderness. And Jennifer, to use your word, a vulnerability that was modeled for me when my moment of tested resilience came, I knew what to do. Yeah. And I think one of the distinctions that we need to make when we talk about vulnerability is that vulnerability is not fragility, that there is almost this false humility this feigning weakness, this feigning suffering with people who aren't suffering in that way. And so then when real suffering comes, when the rubber really meets the road, then because they have kind of feigned this fragility for so long, they're completely thrown off. And I think that it's really important that we are able to differentiate between the two because I think it manifests differently and it creates something. We talk about in scripture, the power of our words, having the power to create futures. And I think a lot of times when we use certain words and we characterize our circumstances in certain ways, it manifests in a way that is not one that lends to resiliency, but it's one that puts us further in the pit, to be quite honest. I like what you all are saying. I hate to keep drawing so much on my work experience, but one of the things we kind of say all the time I think, Ryan, you mentioned it, and then also you, Mark, is that you don't prepare for a disaster in a disaster. That doesn't bode well. But it does lend to this whole idea of heroes. 
if you don't prepare for it, then you're going to rely on your heroes to come in and save the day and patch everybody up and, you know, make sure that the world doesn't implode or whatever. And the truth of the matter is we don't need heroes. I think, Jen, you talked about that last year. We don't need heroes. We need real resiliency, which means that in our churches, that means that we we need to reduce the emphasis on the pulpit and recenter that emphasis on the table. We need to shift from this hero, preacher, pastor, leader to a community that is truly resilient, where people are um, bringing their gifts to bear and depending on one another to sustain a community. You're completely right. And I think this is why so many of us as clergy leaders are completely exhausted in this moment, because we have been carrying the church, the congregation, we've been carrying all of this on our backs for so long. And now that we're in this moment, we're feeling that pressure. But the good news, the good news is that there always is this transformative move when we orient towards hope. I really do think that one of the best practices for reorienting us towards this view of resilience is again, really getting back to preaching Jesus. In the past 20 years, I'll say, we've oriented ourselves in so many different directions. And yet Jesus is the hope that gives us that spring to know that better is coming and where we are is not all there is. Like we don't have to be the hero. We do have a savior already. And how often in reality, we say that, we think that, but when we look at how we act and how we practice our faith, we practice our faith as if we are the ones that all of this is depending on. You know, I think one of the reasons our culture has such a hard time with resilience is that we have largely framed it in terms of success. And we have framed it in terms of a success that is not aligned well with the gospel, if I can Put it plainly. As you all are talking, I'm frequently reminded of the Apostle Paul and the book of Acts and resilience. And by most 20th and 21st century success metrics, Paul is an abject failure of an entrepreneur and a leader. But there's this extraordinary community shaped resilience that Paul has, and he's bringing others with him in that. There's this communal capacity of resilience that, well, yeah, we went there and we got kicked out, or we went there and we got beat up, or we went there and we didn't have any money, or we got thrown in jail, and they just kind of keep going, and it's not flashy, and it's really not successful by most metrics, whereas I think some of the pressure that a lot of everyday Christians feel is that resilience looks like, well, even though this happened, I was still successful, look at me, I'm prospering. And I look at the Apostle Paul, and I think that's actually not what resilience is. That's something else. So as you all are talking, I'm thinking about how we frame resilience in contrast to the way that our culture generally wants to frame it. That's interesting, Adam. You talk about Paul's failures, and I immediately go to thinking about Jesus' earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you want to talk about abject failure? Jesus is a model of what not to do (laughs) when it comes down to how we qualify success. But he's also the master of bouncing forward through adversity. And that's kind of my catchphrase for resilience. It's not just bouncing back. It's not just retaining our shape, but it's something that's expansive. 
It's something that stretches us and advances us in ways that maybe we didn't anticipate, but it always comes through crisis. I think at the end of this year, my wonder is, are we curating well the lessons that this crisis has taught us so that we can build in this resilience to how we're training and equipping and discipling folks that God has given? Or are we just going to get through it like you cram for an exam, remember stuff long enough to take the test, and then you don't remember anything from that class after it's over with. It's done. Are we going to be those folks who just kind of limp from one trial to the without having learned anything? One of the words that I associate with resiliency is imagination. And that resiliency isn't figuring out how to keep doing what we've always done, better, longer, stronger, and so forth. But crisis breeds a need for reimagining who we are, the context, the needs of the world, where the ministry of the church and the gospel needs to go. And I think the most resilient people are those people who have been the most nimble in their theological and vocational imagination. They haven't just kept doing the same thing, but they've imagined who they are working out in new ways, in new forms, and in new tasks. And the church hasn't always been good at imagination, particularly in the vocational and theological sense. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Ryan. And one of the, the words that I was thinking about is the need to be risky, that when we talk about resilience, it's really this counterintuitive spiritual move that we take in moments of crisis. And I think the natural inclination is to just kind of hunker down and buckle down, batten down the hatches and just ride it out. When so many times it's the risk to reimagine something bigger on the other side, different, more faithful, something that is completely counter to what we know or what we have done or where we have been. And so I think, you know, the more that we can make ourselves less risk averse and the more we can embrace the risk faithfully, the more we can do that very work of reimagining that you've been speaking about. Yeah, I I think that's an important word. It does strike me that even having to talk about resilience in these ways is sort of a Western uh, middle class, upper middle class conceit where we believe or we've been taught or we've been acclimated that comfort and ease is the baseline. And when we depart from that, then something's wrong that we need to jerk it back there as quickly as we can. A vast amount of the population on this planet would not even recognize that let alone agree with it. Uh, And I really do think we need to watch Jesus. This strikes me as such a a counterintuitive thing for our postmodern world. As I read the Gospels, Jesus was still, at times I would be all over the place in action, and he took action in some of the times I would be shrinking back. He had a focus to his life, a purpose, an arc of meaning that was grounded in his creator, that actually allowed him to be resilient without thinking about, oh, now I'm going to be resilient. He simply was that and went toward that because that's how he lived his whole life. When we hit rough times or when our congregations hit rough times or when there's a global pandemic which throws all strategic plans out the window, unfortunately, a lot of our sense is let's get back to that as quickly as we can rather than let's go forward with a purpose and a focus that is inside us and given to us by God. 
Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.